What's up, guys? Welcome back to the 573 Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ebers, and on today's episode, we're sitting down with good friend Baron May to talk whitetails. He tells us a story about a buck that he killed in 2020 during the October lull. We discuss our season preparations, kind of what we're looking at coming into the season. It is opening day, Eve, here in Missouri, so we're getting fired up about the season, and we couldn't wait to talk about whitetails. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. You know, Baron is growing as a deer hunter and he is learning ways to kill bigger bucks by communicating with his neighbors and doing habitat management and also herd management, letting his bucks grow to better age classes, and it has paid off for him. So before we jump into this episode, we are brought to you by Rack Daddy Minerals. You can head over to rackdaddyminerals.com, save yourself 10% on any of the products that you order by using the code 573. Right now, a hot product on his website is the Mock Scrape Kit. I know this time of the year, I'm still using minerals, but I'm also transitioning a lot of my cameras to scrapes, and it might be a little bit too early for the scrapes, but I just like to get it in there and, and, and get them hung before the the deer start to transition themselves. But head on over to that website, support a local Missouri business, and let's go ahead and get into the episode. It's a pretty exciting time right now. We've got good friend Baron May sitting here to talk whitetails on the opening day eve here in Missouri. Things are getting pretty exciting. It's kind of like that night before Christmas <laughs> right now. Uh, you just work and think about this. I'm not even hunting opening morning type of thing, but you think about it the whole the whole year long. That's one of them things that just gets you worked up. Highly, highly anticipated, and we aren't hunting opening day. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a little warm. I mean, you got a 50-degree morning, and then oh, back in the mid-80s, I think I'll wait. Yeah, I I, uh, I prefer to hunt opening day, but work, work says otherwise. So I may slip out, at least observing, but I, I'm definitely probably not going to be able to dive in and hunt any spots where I think something might happen. But not only has this long anticipation for the hunting season got me all fired up, what else is bringing me down? No big bucks on camera right now. I hear you. <laughs> Where are they at, it's man? It's a struggle. They got to be. They're and all the, gone. And the corn. Corn's <laughs> looking good right now. The beans are four foot tall. I'd say they're staying in the crops, and I don't have any crops to hunt on. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, I'd have to push back a little bit because I do have crops to hunt, and I'm not seeing them. But what I am seeing, and I know that you mentioned this off off air, is acorns. At least in our area, they're dropping like crazy. I've got white oaks and bur oaks dropping. For sure. You know, I you always hear about the October lull, and everybody's everybody's myth behind that is that every all the deer are on acorns. That's where they're at. They're disappeared. But I think we're going to have a lull right here in the <laughs> beginning of the season. Persimmons look good this year, and so do acorns for sure. I think we're going to have a good cropping 
both of those. I don't have any cameras in the woods, so I can't really tell if I have anything eaten. I got everything on food plots and stuff right now, so and some scrapes that I just just made up. So they're they are starting to hit the scrapes, but I I couldn't tell you if they were on what they would be on. I know other people are starting their scrapes out and they're starting to hit them, so they're. I think that means that they're and they're moving a lot more. They're ready to broaden their horizon when they start marking them scrapes. Yeah, and also along the lines of highly anticipated, I know that you've been putting in a lot of time and effort to get ready for this season, despite you know your busy schedule and also becoming a new dad. <laughs> you've been putting out some plots and stuff like that, and everything's been coming together pretty nicely for you this year. What have you been up to? Uh, let's see here. In March, I took some equipment out and pretty much restarted an abandoned kind of, it's kind of like CRP, a cedar thicket, cleared that up a little bit, not completely, because you got to have that structure, keep that privacy in there for them. Um, put a half acre turnip plot in in late July, and it is doing awesome. Doing, I've never put one in, and <laughs> I had some mishaps with the tractor and just had to broadcast it, and we had a goalie washer, a good old six-inch rain there, and I couldn't believe I had any seeds still on the ground when Austin uh, Austin sent me some snaps three, two weeks, three weeks later, and they, I was like, holy moly, how did that, how did they survive? He's like, I don't know, that was, that was crazy, but they say your first, your first year of putting turnips in is is always the best because they use what's naturally in in the soil and they they'll use it up and then you i put 200 pounds of nitrogen on there so that helped them out a little bit um we put we put two other clover plots on that same property and it they one of them is doing amazing it's about a half acre one of them is probably a eighth acre quarter or eighth acre probably little kill plot just off that turnip plot and so we can hunt uh a west wind on that property and it's it's doing fine maintained the clover plot behind my house and another couple other spots it's it's been a lot of work i've been i really put the time in to put food for them this year and so far it hasn't worked out that (laughs) (laughs) they've showed up on them but i've i've i did the work now it's time to sit back and Watch, watch what comes in. Yeah, reap the benefits for sure. And you know we got a, we got a long season ahead of us. I imagine they're going to start eating on that at some point, and uh, you're going to capitalize. I sure hope so. Me or Austin, Austin, he he's been out there helping me whenever, whenever he can. If I'm not doing something, he's doing something. And I think uh, our little tag team ought to work out at, at one of these one of these early mornings or late late evenings. That always makes it pretty fun too. Whenever you you're putting in the time with your buddies and, and then hopefully you guys can capitalize, you know, during the season and, and reap the benefits of everything that you guys have been putting in for. For sure. Yeah. And we got, you know, Matt is just, we, we got a whole community right there where we're hunting. We've got a buddy that is right across the highway from us, one that's right in the middle of us. And I've got another piece just South of that on the cow lake that, I mean, we've actually shared the same deer. We've found, matching sets of sheds on other properties it's just it's nice to see like a whole community come together and try try to make the whole environment you know one guy can't do all this management and make it better 
you need more than one people when you're hunting 40 and 80 acre tracks you know you're, you're not really you're benefiting the deer that live on you but not the deer around if you can benefit a whole herd you're gonna you're gonna have better bucks and healthier animals yeah that's awesome that you know your neighborhood where you're hunting right now is on the same page when it comes to habitat management and and managing the landscape are you guys trying to work on maybe like managing the class of deer that you shoot for sure uh i think austin and i are he's he's set on pope and young because he i don't think he has one with a bow i'm unless i'm mounting it i I tend to not shoot it unless it's gonna we've got a kind of a bully seven well he's more like an eight but he's a mainframe seven that if he walked out he'd probably get shot just because i have two years of history with him two in 2020 he was bullying bucks off my other piece across the highway and I, i just i watched him just push deer off the whole year and just did not like it and he was a, a mainframe six at that time so nobody but a youth hunter could shoot him and i took a youth hunter out there and he he walked out in front of us but there was a bigger seven pointer that walked out and the seven got shot because to, to a kid it's the bigger buck and it's the one that gets shot yeah i think that's sometimes for the adults too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which uh you know that's that's not a problem it's it's all fun and how you how you want to enjoy it but yeah it sounds like um you know you've got hopefully some bigger bucks to chase but then you know maybe some management bucks that maybe you're kind of bullying the uh the good ones to keep you away keep them away from your property right there's uh there's definitely an agreement with um i think there's one two three four five six six landowners there that i'm in talks with actually i mean i I'm, I'm cousins with one and cousins good friends with a couple of the others and everybody's that manage we've got all we've all got that management style going where 140s you know if, if i'm not mounting it i'm not shooting it we don't really have a high 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 doe population so it's not like you need to go in there and swack four does before you shoot a buck i i mean we've got a couple does that live on the place and that's about it so they're not over browsing any food plots they're not just over abundant so those are the ones you want they're going to live there they're going to stay there and they're going to bring the random bucks in there so to me we've got a good deer number like buck to doe ratio is pretty good through the whole neighborhood there i know you keep mentioning the size of the antlers for the maybe checklist on on killing these bucks is that i mean just because it's really hard to judge deer on the hoof as it is you just assume that the the ones with the bigger racks are a little bit older well yeah you start looking for that roman nose and then see if he's got a little belly you know at least a four-year-old type of thing there's some deer you he could be a giant one a 140 160 and you you can just tell he's a young deer i had one two years ago it was like uh he was 150 maybe 160 already and i is probably the youngest deer that i've ever almost thought about putting on my hit list and uh i was it's just one of those deer you're like i i hope he never shows up because i don't want to pass him and at that time i wasn't filming or anything so uh it's it's like what what do you do when a, a young deer you know some some people have more fun uh just trying to show what they're doing and if you don't film it or whatever it's hard to it's hard to say that you've seen that or some some you know some people are gonna be like oh you didn't see a three-year-old that was 160 so i'm like i mean he sure looked like it yeah 
he yeah. was a good deer and it, this is one you don't want to you don't want to see and hoof if you don't want to shoot that three-year-old right don't get within range of me <laughs> yeah don't tempt me sir <laughs> well you know also two years ago you ran into a deer that had a little bit more age on him had a pretty nice size little bit of headgear on him and that's kind of why I wanted you to get on today because you know we're approaching the season and nothing gets me more fired up than hearing about big bucks hitting the ground and this particular story I got to be a part of it a little bit but you know there's a lot in that story that I haven't even heard and it's kind of a early season buck kill um yep October 16th. October 16th. You know, a lot of people would say that's probably the October lull, you mm-hmm. know. So um, I think we were fired up that year as a crew. We were. Yeah, you had an early up. one, didn't you? Yeah. October 6th was the same year I shot my buck, and then you shot on, on October 16th. And, you know, it's it, it makes you question, you know, what you hear a lot of times. And for me, I tend to have a hard time being out of the woods regardless of what people say um about this times of the year and you know had you not been in the stand that morning you might not have been able to capitalize on this deer that we're going to talk about today right so uh that deer has a little bit of a backstory actually in 2019 i think he was a five maybe six year old when i killed him um I know in 2019, he was almost the same deer. I actually had an encounter with him. And then Matt, as I had mentioned earlier, had he actually had pictures of him of the year before I killed him, which was 2019. He was a 150s, didn't have the – he's got a double neck patch, and he didn't have that as dominant. So he, he actually adjusted his coat, as you would say. I mean, his coat changed from one year to the other compared to the um, – trail pictures it was just barely faint that you could see there in 2019 and in 2020 i mean it's it's pretty predominant it's very pretty he's got a black face and the double white neck patch on his neck and uh i had actually seen him i think he he just really liked that place in early october because i was it was about october 20th i think uh in 2019 when i i was just sitting there you know just well, I wasn't rattling or anything. I was just sitting there, and I see, you know, you hear that uh, the doe will blow at sometimes at a deer that's kind of chasing her, and she's not ready. Well, I heard that, and I was like, what What the heck's going on? And I looked just to the north of me, kind of up on the hill, and there was like a, a small little eight just chasing this doe, you know, October 20th. It's not rut. Well, she's here blowing, and all of a sudden I see this bigger one right behind him, and he chases the eight off. I was like, what's what's going on so my, i've got the perfect wind winds coming from the north going straight south this deer is exactly i mean perfectly north of me on top of a hill an evening hunt <clears throat> i so i grunt to him he had already ran that little buck off and he didn't didn't care nothing but he did turn around and the doe turned around so they completely did a almost a 360 they they he him and her circled all the way back around and walked all the way down wind of me but when he was on the west side of me i grunted and he, he just kept going downwind of me and came all the way up <laughs> like a mature buck does he came downwind of me and got within 18 yards and he was grunting and just mad and stomping and made a scrape right there and came in there and just looked i mean you know how they 
get your scent and then they can pinpoint where the scent is they just start looking in an area that they know their scent coming from well he did just that and I, i was probably 20 feet up in a tree uphill from him and he just looked right up at me and blew once turned around and just kind of stomped off and then got 10 yards away from where he was standing and did his little trot you know that they they're like i know there's something there but i don't know what it is i'm not going any farther so i never could really shoot at him he was facing me and i didn't have a lane they weren't supposed to come from that area and he just come through straight through a cedar and made a uh a scrape there oddly enough that's the same path he went down when he died when we shot him and had to track him down there so you kind of prepared i guess the next time <laughs> yeah so you did that again i was hunting the same property the, the next year it was the it was the f- october 2020 um well hold I, on now hold on so you you ended up having an encounter with this buck the year prior mm-hmm. and you the people in the neighborhood had seen this buck too and so as far as the rest of the season goes he was gone i i passed a few other uh, there was one really gnarly eight point, super tall and about ear wide. Passed him during rifle season. Uh, had uh, another good one come through. Um, it was too early to even shoot. I mean, I was climbing the stand and my rattling antlers were tingling together. And this deer, I had called him in by doing that on accident. And he was on, I didn't even have time to sit down and he was 20 yards away, just like coming into the rattle from hitting together. So needless to say, I don't let that happen anymore when I'm climbing in a stand but i just never seen a, a for sure shooter never seen that deer again never even had a trail cam i never personally ever had a trail cam picture of him and i was i was there to hunt other deer the year i shot him at that time had you been uh in communication had the neighborhood been in communication trying to work on this land management buck management time frame or is this kind of a newer thing that is that's mostly this year uh we got i just started talking to my cousin that owns the land south of me and then uh eric tison just bought the land north of me and then matt's on the north side of that and then austin and i just got permission across the highway from that and so we really didn't start talking to people until we started knocking on doors and asking for permission when we wanted to expand our hunting spots and then you know everything just clicked together it's like bam we got another spot right down the road oh man this guy's managing deer too you know everybody it just randomly worked out and and then i just keep keep in touch with people so you know you keep that communication down and find out what's what exactly going on out there and then Everyone's like, yeah, you know, we this is a good spot. We really want bigger bucks, and it seems like all we're seeing is those three-year-olds that are all in the 120s, and there's like we just we just watch them. I was like, well, that's all I do too. So we got something in common. So, you know, flash forward, you know, you finished the season out. You hadn't seen that buck again. You know, we're going into the off season and into summertime. Did you get any velvet buck pictures of this deer? I mean, is this this buck even on your radar at that moment before no. the season starts? So that was uh, 2020 was my first year of doing the the whole cell cam. That was when cell cams exploded, and I was like, well, I, I threw. Um, I started a mineral lick back in the back, and then uh, threw corn out in July and August, and uh, had a 10 and a 12, a mainframe six by six coming in and that's the one i was actually i mean i had i had them there in velvet 
Um, and then all through the beginning of October, I mean, every day I was at work and here it is daylight, nine, 10 in the morning. They're there. I was like, well, what am I doing at work? Yeah. I mean, I was working with my boss. We were working on a car wash there one morning and I, it was 10 o'clock and I had the 10 and the 12 on a pitcher together and another broken rack eight. And I was like, I think I need to leave. It was, it was early October. And that's, that's what, that was like the second frost of October when these deer really started moving through there. And I was like, well, I guess I'm a next, next day I'm off and it frosts, I'm going to get out there and hunt. Well, lo and behold, that was October 16th. And I had just Thursday night, I texted Austin. I was like, Hey, you're off. You want to go, you just want to go try film, film a hunt. And we'll, you know, we'll sit in the same double man. We sat in a double man in a cedar and had a perfect win. Um, and, uh, we just got we got really lucky i was there to hunt two other bucks that had been coming in and this random i mean he came from exactly where my camera was he had just missed it by 10 yards i, ne- I never even got a picture of him that morning so um it just goes to show you you know <laughs> the trail cameras give you some good information but they don't give you all the information right and he uh as far as i'm concerned nobody had pictures of him that I have talked to in 2020 either. So this buck was very, I mean. Nomadic. Yeah, yeah, he just wasn't on camera very often. And I don't Maybe know. he was one of those, you know, you hear about those bucks that just, they they know how to work around the trail cameras. And I hate to give deer that much credit sometimes, but sure. I think, you know, when you get into those mature bucks and they know that they're being hunted, that they do slip by them. And, and I've seen it. I've seen it, um, I've, you know, for instance, that morning with that buck, didn't get a, uh, you didn't get a picture of him, right. but he was, he was here he is freaking, hanging on your wall. Yeah. I've had that same thing happen to me a couple of times, and it could just be that, you know, cameras aren't perfect either, but also they just know how to slip past it. And I don't know if it's like a sixth sense type of thing or if they just, they know it's there based off of smelling it or seeing it previously, and they move around it. Right. And, you know, a lot of people aren't um, thinking about their scent. You know, I mean, this was a cell cam. I hadn't touched it in forever, so I wasn't worried about scent. But those cameras do make sounds. Some lights sometimes flash a little bit and infrared. Of course, at night, deer, I mean, if if a deer is paying attention, they can see that glow. You know, a lot of deer, you'll see them on a nighttime picture. They're staring right at the camera. They may not care about it, but they know something's there. They're not dumb. One thing I did last year that I've never done before is I put a lot of different cameras on video mode, and I learned a lot about how a buck, a, a mature buck, will react to a camera, um, whether it's clicked or if it's got that red light, you know, at nighttime, and it definitely turns them off. They yep. don't, they don't like that at all. And so now this year I've kind of switched gears a little bit. Now I'm hanging my cameras a lot higher, hoping that that can maybe keep them from noticing that there's a trail camera in the woods. Right. I've heard about, yeah, several, I've heard several people doing, I actually haven't had to do it. Uh, but I, you know, I wasn't really as serious of a hunter up until the year I killed my buck and I barely even hunted that year. You know, I, I kind of got lucky, but since then I've been kind of all about it. And, uh, it's it's actually, it's like taking over my life in a good way. It's it's what you know. People are 
always looking for something to do to take their time, and this has taken a lot of my time, but it keeps me busy, keeps me on me trouble. No, no, no trouble with the law that way, you know, <laughs> yeah. or the wife. She's she actually is a was an avid hunter. We'll see how this year goes with the baby, but she she's got a good one on the wall too. So yeah, yeah, and so you said you hadn't been hunting a lot that year, so that's kind of good. In a in a way, you weren't putting a lot of pressure. How many times had you hunted that area before going in on October sixteenth? Uh, I think I, man, that was like my fifth hunt of the year, probably. I think I had hunted three times uh, around here, around Troy, um, and just did not have any luck. And uh, that was like the second time, second morning hunt, I think that I went out there. I think I went, that was a Friday. I think I went on, no, I think I hunted an evening hunt. I think I hunted hunted an evening hunt on like a Sunday. And then that Friday was my second hunt out there. So, you know, unpressured land, it's this all CRP. So there are, you know, they love this place. They go hang out there all the time. I've got, I got pictures throughout the day. They don't care what time it is around there, but they, uh, they really like that place. And i I don't really pressure it. You know, I've got a couple other spots I can go when I'm not getting intel. So I try to stay out of there. The owner stays out of there. He don't, he don't have any, he's got 80 acres and doesn't really do anything on it. He just lets me do what I want around. back there. Yeah. It's pretty nice. So one thing else you mentioned is, uh, you know, you had hunted a couple mornings. Do you normally hunt mornings? I know that there's a, you know, people are kind of on the fence about morning hunting in the early season. I've, uh, man, I watch a lot of videos, and a lot of them guys that kill a mature buck every year, they won't hunt and a, a morning until like sometime in late October. But I just, if I've got the wind and I've got a buck that's living there, uh, for instance, my brother-in-law, we're gonna go try to get on one. He was, I mean, for the last in a in a, like an 18 to 20 day period, they were there like 12 times in daylight and so you you almost got to hunt them if you got the intel if you got the right wind as long as you're not i mean we've had some cool mornings so as long as it's cool and not 80 degrees i think i think i'm down to try it i mean i don't i don't know who's been successful on like an early morning early september hunt but i'm sure there are people that have been successful it's just not as prone to happening yeah yeah so my thoughts on the situation are that in September, a lot of those bucks, in my opinion, just from my limited experience, is that they're getting to bed faster than before daylight. So, yeah. you know, going in there, typically if you're going to hunt in the morning, you're going to probably hunt a bedding area. You know, if that's the advantage, right, is you get them coming back to bed. And sometimes I think that they're beating you there. And so if you're not in there really, really early waiting on them, I think sometimes you can do more harm than good by just sitting or like getting in there right before sunlight and boogering them out. Right. This uh, this place is pretty. Where we're, we're I'm, I'm going Friday morning with him. Hopefully, going to video for him. Uh, and it's you know, it's it's a solid entry. There's a little patch of woods. Uh, these deer were living there previous in the previous week, so we don't know if they're going to come in, but it's definitely worth a shot with how frequent they're hitting and they're coming from the same spot every single time. It's the perfect wind for it. I mean, they're, they're, 
they're going to when our where our wind is blowing to but he, they're going to walk 10 yards in front of us before, before they, they get, get to that point nice so nice. Yeah, i see it both ways um if i if i have the entail i would I'm, i wouldn't go hunt it like i'd be not an everyday thing like you would like in october during the rut you're gonna be like okay i'm going to sit all day i i wouldn't do that but if you know what time that they're liable to come through there and you can just sneak out during a perfect wind or a cold front i think you can get it done in the early season so just per- personal preference i mean you kind of already maybe even touched on it a little bit but say you're not getting a consistent deer coming through when do you start feeling comfortable about going in on mornings mm. When it starts frosting pretty hard. Uh, that I killed mine on the third frost of the year. Uh, the second frost is when I started getting good morning pitchers. So I, at, at that point, I was like, well, I, I, they're, they're hitting. You know, the first frost you learn, second frost, they're like, oh, they did it again. So third frost, you, that's strike Be three. In there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, leading up, you'd only hunted it a couple times. You said that was the second time you'd hunted that area. You called Austin up. And he said, hey, man, let's go film. So you're going in to hunt a morning hunt on October 16th. Kind of tell us how uh, how it all started and, and how it ended. So uh, we, well, you know how Austin is, late to the party. It's his fashion. Absolutely. So here I am, go pick him up. I was hey, I'm, you better be ready. Well, I get there, and he just woke up drinking his coffee, sitting on his couch, you know. Uh, so I had to get him up and going. We finally got there, you know, about 30 minutes before prime time. So getting in a rush, uh, we got set. Luckily, it's super easy access, and you get in there, you're comfy, hang your bow up, you're done. Uh, we were sitting there. Uh, daylight broke, and there was a little fork point that was just hanging out in front of us the whole time. We were just messing around with him he'd walk off we'd grunt he'd come back <laughs> he'd, we did that to him like three times and then i think and in the in the process of just messing with this deer uh we had called in another one from across this crp and they had both kind of intertwined within 20 yards of each other the the little four and the six the four came from directly across from us directly west of us and the six was just hanging around right there in front of us well, the six come through and hit a mineral lick right in front of us. And then I'm just, <clears throat> the six walked away, the four laid down. So I grunted at the four pointer and he stood up. And then all of a sudden he starts looking down the hill from us on this fence line that we can't see, which my camera, I, I thought if anything had been there, my camera would catch it because my camera's just on the other side of this fence. So I was like, oh man, he keeps looking at something down there. And Austin's on the left side of this. Uh, ladder stand so he can see it better <clears throat> and he catches a glimpse of a just the half of the rack and he's like oh god he's like oh big big buck big buck you know <laughs> he gets really worked up it's so he's much the blood pumping. yeah it's so much fun hunting he just he loves hunting and he just he got worked up and he's like big buck dude shooter for sure i think it's a big eight i was like you know at that point i'm still pretty calm and i was like dude if, I, if i'm if it's not going on my wall i'm not shooting it and uh, he's like, oh, it's going on your wall. <laughs> if it's not, <laughs> he's jumping on top of it. <laughs> and he's just sitting there. He gets his uh, gets his camera going, and he's just, just he can see the deer uh, probably 10 yards before I can. 
um, he's looking through a bush at it and he's like, dude, it's, it's a, it's a big buck. And I was like, okay. And then there's just, I'm just sitting there, you know, with the bow and just up and ready, but not drawn or anything, just seeing what happens. And I, I just catch a, He walks up in this clearing that I got. I can't shoot the clearing, but I can see pretty clearly. I see it. I said, oh yeah, it's a big buck. And so this deer literally comes in within probably five yards, 10 at the max of our tree and hits this <clears throat> mineral lick that I had been messing with all year. It's my first year really putting in a good mineral lick. He hit it and uh, knew something was up. You know how they just get too close sometimes. And we had a good wind still, but he, I mean, either of us could have made noise, you know, thermals could have messed up something. He was quartered to me and I, he just, we had, we have it on video too. He just like steps back, like what's going on. And then just gets that jerky head movement. And I'm, I'm already pulled back and I just had to put it right through his shoulder blade. Luckily the old swacker got in there. Some people won't shoot that kind of shot with a mechanical because they don't think they penetrate but that one did well i think the placement was perfect on that and i mean there's video proof so yeah, if yeah. you want to go take a look at it you know you can check out any of our videos and you'll see you know it's it's an awesome shot and immediately that was my first thing when i saw the video for the first time i'm like dude why did he shoot that but then you really get to looking at it and slowing it down it's like he couldn't have put a better shot on him I don't think. Yeah, I mean, you got to – I wouldn't say anybody can uh, just shoot through, a you know, a shoulder blade. But if you're shooting a fast enough bow, the penetration will be there no matter what. Well, and then, he's, I'm, what, five yards? Right, yeah. So, so a lot of momentum <clears throat> going into going into his chest, shoulder. Yeah, and I, th- I think we're when we skinned him out, I'm pretty sure we, we cleared one lung pretty much. We destroyed the first lung, and I think we caught the back half of the other one, I think. Yeah, went went right through him from what I remember. Um, do you think by chance? I don't know how you guys approach the stand, but do you think he caught your went uh, your scent, your ground scent? Uh, it's it's probably because we were literally he was two feet away from our trail to get into the stand, and you know it, we're on a fence line in a cedar tree, so you can get only get in one side of the tree without jumping over barbed wire and the the mineral lick is like five yards from that so he probably for sure got some ground scent and with the frost just kind of hanging down there you got moisture to hold the scent there oh yeah that's that's probably what got us but luckily it it worked out so you you shoot him and uh what happens after that well he uh what's going through your head yeah like luckily luckily we did have the video because we were able to send it to some tracker friends and they were like oh that deer's dead and i was like well we're not finding any blood because the arrow broke off in him and so the penetration was there it went through uh probably 12 inches inside of him but it broke off and it didn't bleed uh because it was through the shoulder and we were just hunting crp just really bad uh things to kind of come in line there compared to a tractor a tracker's point of view because that crp is really dry it doesn't hold scent um there wasn't blood to go off of and there was other there's three other or two other bucks in in the same vicinity so to go off of the right hoof scent for the for this dog was gonna be a struggle so we used the video that we got 
on the recovery, you came out out there with us and Austin and then the tracker and the tracker's dog. And we just skipped over the whole CRP because he's like, this it's going to be super hard to get sent through this. Just where did he go into the woods? And lo and behold, we're over there <laughs> standing next to the woods for, what, 10 minutes? And we're like replaying this video, replaying it, replaying it. I think he ran in right here next to this cedar tree or whatever. It turns out there's this is the path that I was hunting him on. Well, I was hunting last or in 2017 that he had almost come up, and I almost was almost killed killed him off of that path. You mean 2019? Yeah, 2019, yeah. Oh, okay. So I had almost killed him off this path that he actually had ran down when he went to die. So the tracker, I was like, man, I think he's right here. So the tracker was like, all right, just, you know, get, get the scent dog or whatever. Uh, and the dog just went straight to the ground and started working. I was like, holy, holy crap, what's, what's she following? And then it was like, well, there's actually, these dogs are uh, trained to, when a deer gets wounded, it puts off a different scent in their hoof. It's, you know, it's like got a lot more hormones or whatever you want to call it. And this dog is trained on that scent. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. So here we are, Steven and Austin behind me and the dog in front of us. You can't carry a bow or anything. So we're hope we gave him what? I think it was two o'clock when we went out there. So we gave him from seven to two to lay, but he was, he was dead immediately, almost within 200 yards, I think. Yeah, basically when he gets out of the video, I mean, he goes about another 40, 50 yards and he's yeah. down. I mean, that's where he he died. Just follows a, a wide open trail and then he's just done, yeah, on the other side of the cedar tree. Yeah, so we follow this dog. I mean, the dog doesn't know where the thing died. We don't know where it died, so we're just following the dog. In the meantime, I had already gotten permission from the other landowners. They were like, yeah, if, if you got to cross the fence, go find the deer. I was like, perfect awesome communication with other landowners and they were we were walking down this path the same I mean same exact path that he came in on me in 2019 and we we turned this corner and you just hear uh, the tracker was like dead deer dead deer and we're just like just all three of us were just pumped I mean it was I think it was did you have your deer on camera was that the first deer like deer video kill thing that we kind of started with? Um, it was the one that I started with, but I had videoed the your six. Yeah, yeah, on October six. So, so, but yeah, I think it was awesome. Um, we all three got to be there and and uh, enjoy that. You know that the dog. I don't know. You know he definitely played a good factor into it, but I'm pretty sure Austin could have sniffed it out. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. he's kind of right there in the opening. You know, but, you know, you took all them precautions, you know, like you said, calling the landowners around. That way, if we had to cross any fences, that we weren't messing up somebody else's hunt, but also, you know, weren't doing that without permission and, you know, losing a lot of what you what, what we started talking about in the beginning of this podcast is just losing that relationship. relationship. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and And then the dog was just security you know this is the biggest buck you'd ever shot yeah and so you were trying to make sure you were taking all the precautions to to find this deer yeah and i mean we weren't once we'd seen the video and gotten other people to look at it we were like okay solid shot definitely lunged him at least the deer's dead somewhere you just hopefully he's on our property type of thing and we got lucky he was he was there we pulled him up and i was like holy 
this is not the deer that I was here to hunt. And I, I think I said that in the video. I was like, this is not the one that I was here. But, <laughs> but he, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, he was he was good enough. And, uh, <clears throat> and then we got to, we got, you know, once you, you go show your buddies this and the other and start looking at old pictures again. And oddly enough, Matt Matt's like, hey, I had this one. Uh, this, is, this is him in 2019. And I was like, man, that's the one I seen in 2019. This is the same deer. It was, it was just awesome and it was it was uh it was that time of the year where i think this deer has just probably started getting aggressive you probably i mean the frost i wonder the frost could help or something gets them in that mood but i bet i bet i bet this deer wanted to push these little bucks to know that this was his area like he a big buck like that shouldn't have to mess with a four-pointer and a, a small bass crack six-pointer. But he just wanted them to know this is his area because this is the same fence line that he had walked on the first time I ever seen him, and he circled around. So I, that that was his prime area. Even though I've never had cameras of him, he had been hitting that area uh, for sure. And another thing <clears throat> is the, the previous year when you had your encounter was just four days shy of when you shot him the following year. Right. So I got to think that he was probably coming back from wherever he had been living in September mm-hmm. or early October is that he was he was going to own it, like you said. And, you know, you said that there was a four-pointer and a six-pointer, but there was also a guy grunting his butt off in the tree stand. <laughs> yeah. He probably was going to approach that, that guy too. And I don't remember – I know we took the rattling antlers. I don't know if we hit them. If we did, that could have helped, but I'm, I'm, I don't remember ever doing it. Uh, normally, I wait until at least October 15th because you, you, if a buck hasn't asserted his dominance by then, uh, you're going to scare him off. So yeah. if he's not a fighter, then it ain't going to work, and you're just pushing the subject a little too early. Yeah, I think, I think there's definitely a couple places for me when it comes to rattling, and one is if I'm in a thick area – if I'm going to blind rattle anyways, mm-hmm. um, if I'm in a thick area where if, if there's a buck worthy enough to want to come fight that, you know, he's going to be in there looking. For sure. And yeah. then the other thing is I usually like to rattle when I see him. Um, and you can pretty much tell when you see him if that's a buck. Not at, not in all cases, but in a lot of cases if the buck is big enough, you know, he's probably not going to tuck his tail and run. He's probably going to go see what's going on. But... You know, you th- you can have big bucks that are just not the dominant bucks in the area and spook off too. It's, right. It's yep. uh. You yeah. always got those mature bully bucks, and they just—I mean—they could be five-year-old and be a seven-pointer, say yeah. a seven-pointer, and push off. It doesn't matter, you know, if he's a big-bodied deer. It's mostly about the body, for you know, beat winning the fight. The rack might help a little bit being a bigger frame or something but it's at the end in the end of it it's all about the muscle pushing the other deer away or whatever so sometimes those <clears throat> smaller tight rag bucks can get in on them yeah. wider frame deer and can do some damage yep. you know eye gouging and poking them in the neck and whatnot and that's enough for, to make a big buck cautious the next time he comes into something for sure and i i do think this deer was uh he was quite the sparer because he was covered in scars on his chest and at the back of his neck so he had definitely he had definitely been gouged before probably because there was some bare skin and some like scar marks on his neck 
I think another cool thing was the double throat patch. You know, that is super unique. A lot of bucks don't have that, especially you don't get a lot of bucks of that caliber that that have such a cool, unique double throat patch. Right, and I, did, I don't even think I uh, I don't think I knew that at first until people, other people were looking at it and they were like, oh, that buck has a double throat patch. I was like, he's got a rack. This is what I was excited about. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if we mentioned that uh, or if, if we, you know, when we first found the deer and we were taking pictures with him, that I'm not sure we noticed that right off the get. We did take some good pictures in that CRP that day. They were, that was pretty pretty field that day. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> yeah, and you mentioned uh, s- some other things, you know, because the biggest question is, is why was that buck there? And I think we kind of established a little bit of that. Basically, he's probably moving in. That's his time mm-hmm. of the year. He's probably looking for the does and stuff like that. But, you know, after you killed him, did you put anything together? Um, did you fig- Did you learn a little bit about that spot a little more than when you before you had killed him? <laughs> I mean, most of my big buck movement comes from that part of the property, and he kind of confirmed it. And now I try to f- kind of pinpoint that area a little bit better. Uh, but, I mean, I had a camera there, and I thought I was doing good. But, he, you know, he, he skirted past it, and I never seen it. So uh, don't don't doubt that you're not getting deer movement, I guess, on if it's on camera. You, you know, if you got the weather and stuff, go hunt anyway. Cause that it worked for us, um, but aside from, I mean, this deer was just completely random and came out in a random spot. And I, since then, I've changed the property up. I actually have a clover plot, and I barely even hunt that stand anymore. I hunt a different stand that's a little bit closer to that area. So I've rerouted their movement, kind of. So I think it'll be, it'll be um, a little bit more solid. I think now. But, and I, I mean, I kind of used the intel of seeing where that deer come from and put my food plot towards that area. So hopefully that works. What about where he died? Did that have, did that have any significance? Well, where he died, um, it's getting close to the property line. So I, tr- I really try not to get down in that area. It's open woods. And I do get a lot of movement through there, but it's super hard to hunt. Um, and it's so close to the property line that I, I try to get the deer up on top of the hill, kind of, you know, more center, centralized. It's a super skinny piece. So my south and my north and south side are really close together, kind of. So I, I, I really don't want deer running. I mean, I have permission to go get them, you know, on the other. But sure. just the, the fact of the matter, you don't want de- your deer, your big deer or whatever, getting close to the neighbor's fence. You want... Them more Keep centralized. Them centralized. Yep. Yeah, living on the property and and trying to spend a majority of their daylight time on the property. That's yeah. that's really a, a smart thing. And you know, it, I'm sure you're learning more and more about that as as far as when you're, you know, experimenting with all these management practices that you're doing. What's working? What's not? I'm definitely the only bad thing about it is I'm holding does and fawns daily. And they're destroying my clover plots. That's the only, that'd be the only thing. And my father-in-law has the same uh, issue up north where he hunts, which they haven't got as much rain, so his clover plots aren't doing as good. But just once you got established that management and the food in there, they're going to be there more often than they were. And if there's not that much food, if, if there's one thing I've learned is I need to get more food in there. And uh, I've actually heard 
Lee from The Crush, um, anything that he's got that's like tillable, he puts it in food. He said, if there's one thing that I've learned is there's never, if, if you think you did enough food, do more. Like there, there's never enough deer to eat all the time. And if you can just hold them there for that much longer, sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. I mean, if they don't have to go anywhere because they got everything they need, they got the food, they got the water, they got the cover, they got the safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I mean, Lee, you know, he's the best in the biz. <laughs> he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he probably knows a thing or two about, you know, holding those bucks and, I would definitely take that advice for sure. Um, so this buck, we keep talking about him. What was he? I mean, you, we, we got up on him and uh, tell, tell us, you know, how many points was he? What did you end up scoring him at? I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> Just so many I forgot. I, I, I tried scoring him once, and I believe he's in the high 150s, 157, I think. Um if someone's a professional and they want to come measure him, I'd take him off the wall for you to measure him. Uh, I I think he's a scorable 13 points, um, a mainframe nine with a bunch of kickers on his brows. Um, I'm pretty sure he was a scorable 13. Um, I, need to, I need to get back on that and check. <laughs> 11 for sure, I know, but yeah. I thought it was 13. I'm, I'm looking at him from a distance here, and he's, yeah, like you said, he's a mainframe nine with a few – few kickers off the bases but you know in that video you count all the points so there you go oh, yeah yeah so yeah. if you want to know how many for sure just go watch that video because he's he's got um some bigger splits on his brows but he's got i know he has two small like right at one inch kickers and i guess that with the one inch being the requirement depending on who measures him and where that one inch comes from it makes him 11 or 13 so yeah he was. I, I do know he was twenty-two inches wide. That was, that's, and I, I think like six and a half inch bases. Pretty, pretty good deer. It's, yeah, he's an awesome deer. Not not super, not super tall. I'd say like if he's got the frame, but if he was, um, you know, two inches taller on G twos, G threes, and G fours or whatever, they're what are they? Probably ten. I think one of them was ten inches. One of them was eleven something. You know, if he carried height out, he would be a I mean, that would be a lot closer to probably a 180, 170s for sure. I think he's right at that 160. You know, he gave him a little bit more height than he would have been a stud. But from what I had seen him on the that last picture, the only thing he changed from 2019 to 2020, he was still a mainframe nine. Uh, he had one split off his brow, and now he's got like three, four, five splits off the brows. So the only thing he changed was his trash on the bases and some thickness yeah and going back to you know him being aggressive you know he had a bunch of cedar shreds on him on the bases too so he had been hitting trees pretty aggressively either that morning or just consistently before you had shot him and yeah he's 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 one of those bucks you look at and you're just like man he's just a dream of a frame you know he's got Good looking brows, good looking main beams. For a lot of people, awesome tine length, and uh, he's got width, like you said, the twenty two inches. That's mm-hmm. that's that's a good wide buck right there. But and then the double throw patch, obviously, just it makes him look even better. So it's an awesome deer, and it was an awesome hunt. It was uh, cool to rehash out that story, just because a lot of people, I think stay out of the woods because they hear about you know well this expert said 
see October lull for these time frames and so I don't want to go in there and I'm not gonna have any luck anyways but yeah I'm, I'm a firm believer of not putting a lot of pressure on your places but if the wind is right the weather is right and and I wouldn't even say if you know there's a deer in the area I would just say if the wind and the weather are right, right and you yeah. hunt it with good access that you should hunt and yeah. enjoy it um, because October in my opinion November's great, but October is just beautiful, you know? It's yep. a great time to be Still out there. Still got the leaves and the you, little bit warmer weather, so you're in a long sleeve or whatever. Bucks just seem to be more patternable in that time frame. Even even if you're not getting pictures of, of bucks, it's a good time to, to get out there and look for sign, fresh sign. That time of year is pretty, sure. pretty new, you know? Um, you're not – in November, you're getting a lot of sign in the woods that's – could that have been from September? Could that have been yeah. from October? You know, I was scouting today, and I uh, was working field edges around the properties I can hunt, just looking for something to be able to hunt um, mm-hmm. for opening weekend, and I found uh, scrapes, you know, right along the field edge. And so, you know, if you look at that in November, you don't know if that's fresh or not. I mean, there are telltale signs to help you, you know, if it's fresh or not, but you don't know if it's laid down two months ago or two days ago for sure and they always say i mean i'm a huge i hunt over scrapes immediately after a rain they i've just always heard that you know the bucks if they're if they're around they're going to come hit that and freshen it up so that's i I love hunting a scrape over a rain and it's i mean i've seen a lot of deer not a lot of shooters per se and i've i've missed a lot of opportunities i've not missed all these deer but i have screwed up quite a few times um, I've only missed one of them that was up there, but October, I think opens the door for scrapes, um, to start hitting. And those deer are going to be somewhere, whether it's October 1st or October 20th or October 30th, they're going to be on somebody's property and they might be on yours. So the October lull, I mean, they're, they're somewhere. Um, but just, they're not as patternable in that October low. That's what I would put it at. But if you got the right wind temperature i mean wh- why not hunt? it's october barometric pressure yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i do try to f- they say over 30 is the best like uh anything over 30 moving up um the juries are all about that you know with their app but that's i if, if they're about it i'm about it because they kill a lot more bigger deer than i do and they do it consistently so absolutely these guys these guys know what they're doing so I, I just take a little hash off of their plate. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then for me, it's like, you know, I told you it's a beautiful time of the year to be hunting in October. Just being out in the woods, it's like therapeutic, you right. know. And I'm totally looking forward to that. And right now we get to look forward to um, 90 degree temps <laughs> for the next two weeks here in Missouri. And, uh, you know. Despite that, I'm probably going to find some time to get out in the woods and, and try to hunt something down because October going to be a little different for me this year. You know, with I'm going on a trip out in Wyoming, chasing mule deer for the first half of October. So, you know, maybe I'll just miss that whole low period altogether. <laughs> you're going <laughs> to skip back over October right. 6th and your, your shooter's going to be gone. I He's going to run over to my place. And- Here you go. <clears throat> Well, um, it's been fun talking to you, Baron. I really love talking whitetails and, you know, 
I'm, I'm really excited for tomorrow and the next, you know, four or five months that we're about to partake on uh, that is the hunting season. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add it before we jump off here? Uh, I just appreciate you having me on. Um, I hope everyone else has a, something, anything more than what I have on camera right now, or <laughs> at least they get them starting to move in because I only have one in the last month. Um, and he's not even a shooter, so I <laughs> uh, hope everyone else has better luck than I do. Um, I'm going to be out there with my camera anyway, um, just enjoying it. Whether I've got a bow in hand or a camera, I think it's, it's, it's my favorite place to be. Well, good luck to everybody out there. Appreciate you listening. That's how we do it on the 573, and we'll see you on the next one.